So what are we drinking today? I am drinking water, but I'm also drinking a Raspberry Lane Green Blend Tea. I'm reading the bag, it says, Raspberry Lane combines the grassy notes of a Chinese green tea with sweet and tart raspberries to create a cup reminiscent of summer days. Rich in vitamin C and antioxidants, this tea is the perfect combo to support your immune system year round. And it is really good. It is really too. And I know I'm saying that a lot for a lot of these teas, but it is true. They are really too. So go ahead and get you some raspberry tea. I like to add lemon and ginger to mine. My mom, I think I've said this before, but she likes to put actual raspberries in there with the raspberry tea and it tastes even better. This full cup episode, I want to talk about how movies and TV have an effect on how us as black people are seen by the rest of the world. You've probably heard of conversations discussing representation of black women in film and media, especially as it pertains to light skins versus dark skins. What society pushes through film and media is set as a standard for how us as a general population sees things. Such as the beauty standard, certain looks, features are usually set as a standard based on who has money or based on who is seen in paintings, which are generally those who have money. And in modern days, those who are seen in film and TV and in other media outlets. It's also important to discuss how views and political agendas were spread and are still spread through comic strips and other media outlets. As far as black people, we've already seen how detrimental media can be to stereotypes and our overall progression to equality and equity. One of the most famous being the silent film, Birth of a Nation. I will be reading from my history degree capstone essay titled, Impact of Birth of a Nation. In 1915, a silent epic drama film directed and written by D.W. Griffith loudly shocked the United States. Birth of a Nation tells a fictionalized story of consequences that the North must face after winning the Civil War against the South. In the film, after the Union's victory, the South faces oppression under Black supremacy. Because of this, Ben Cameron, a soldier who had served in the Confederate Army, rises as a hero and founds the Ku Klux Klan to take back their South from Negroes drunken with whiskey and power. The movie depicts a struggle between good and evil, black and white, during the Reconstruction era, which heavily impacted the progressive era with its production and release. David Wark Griffith was born in 1875 near Louisville, Kentucky, in a poor working class family to a former colonel in the Confederacy and member of the Ku Klux Klan. Fascinated with theater at a young age, Griffith went on to sell his first play in 1907. In 1908, Griffith became a director, and up to 1913, he had made around 500 films. Griffith had become a talented filmmaker, experimenting and toying with different frame shots and lighting to convey emotions the audience could sense through silent films. Griffith was influenced by the Bible and poets Edgar Allan Poe and Charles Dickens, and drew from themes dealing with social injustice and moral hypocrisy. In 1915, Griffith had gone on to produce one of the most important films ever made and his most popular silent film, three-hour-long Birth of a Nation. His inspiration was drawn from the best-selling novel The Klansman by Thomas Dixon. 
The Klansman by Thomas Dixon was the second installment in his trilogy of Reconstruction novels. Throughout his novels, Dixon carried the theme of white man's burden, and with the film adaptation, that theme was spread far throughout the United States. After Birth of a Nation was released, Dixon encouraged then-President Woodrow Wilson, who was a college friend and his cabinet, to view the movie. D.W. Griffith's film helped set the bar for filmmaking. Birth of a Nation laid the groundwork for advancement in cinematic realism. The storyline is moved forward by the use of dramatic angles and camera work as well as lighting. As the characters acted out their parts, the cameras and lighting defined the mood of the scenes and paced the film. Without inflections and tone of voice, the audience was able to witness the emotion poured out by facial expressions, body language, and the aesthetics of lighting. Griffith demanded the audience attention to certain details as his camera zoomed in on a scene and let the audience take in the bigger picture when he zoomed out. In Griffith's Birth of a Nation, many of the techniques and features used are now considered standard for films. Features such as an original music score, parallel action, camera panning, and well-staged battle scenes were first used in this film. When D.W. Griffith's film, Birth of a Nation, originally titled after The Klansman premiered, it was met with an explosion of applause, with critics praising the film for its advanced quality of filming, editing, directing, and acting. More than 2.5 million people viewed the film. Fans of the production included President Woodrow Wilson, who commented that it is like history written with lightning, and my only regret is that it's all so terribly true. The film set during the Reconstruction era reenacted Lincoln's assassination in actual event. With Griffith cleverly combining reality and fantasy, the public believed the movie to be historically accurate instead of seeing it as historical fiction. By tapping into shared fears and fantasies of African-American progression, Griffith perpetuated a history that many people accepted as factual. Griffith claimed that through film, the viewer is present at the making of history. However, the picture was also criticized by its apparent glorification of the Ku Klux Klan and the degradation of African Americans. Due to riots and rallies at the film's openings in Los Angeles, Boston, and New York City, protesters had successfully stopped the film from being shown in Kansas and Ohio. And with the help of the newly found National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or NAACP, some screenings agreed to alter or cut some insensitive scenes. Though critics pointed at the necrophobia displayed throughout the picture, some fans sought to downplay the racist content in lieu of other qualities the film had, such as the filmmaking and acting. Others chose to excuse the film by blaming the racism on Thomas Dixon's novel while defending Griffith's character. As a response to Griffith's picture, some filmmakers released their own films, such as The Birth of a Race, released in 1919, The Homesteader, released in 1919, and the more popular Within Our Gates, released in 1920, to counter the message in Birth of a Nation. At the time of the film's release, the United States was more than 10 years into the progressive era. This was a period of political reformation and social activism. This movement primarily focused its attention on taking down corrupt corporations and representatives, though it saw progress within the women's suffrage movement and religious progressivism. Settlement houses and education factory reform changed the quality of life for many Americans, but even with the mainstream growth that was made in the United States, the African-American community saw little to no impact. 
However, some progress was made with the formation of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People in 1909, and because of the segregation, black people found their haven in places like black churches and black-owned businesses. During the late 19th and early 20th century, it was popular for white actors to dress in blackface and perpetuate negative stereotypes of black men and women. Characters such as Jim Crow and Mammy were displayed in children's books, minstrel shows, and films. These stereotypes depicted blacks as lazy drunkards, irresponsible, stupid, inferior, and animalistic. In some cases, blacks were shown as overly sexual beasts characterized as mandingos and Jezebels. Another stereotype was an Uncle Tom. The term, deriving from the novel Uncle Tom's Cabin, described a black person who was eager and supportive of the advancement of whites and content with his place as inferior. D.W. Griffith played into the aforementioned stereotypes and incorporated white actors using blackface. The Mandingo stereotype was applied in two scenes when black characters were attempting to rape white women. In a congressional meeting scene, black men were seen lounging around with their feet on the tables, eating fried chicken and acting unprofessionally. These men were unruly and power hungry. Griffith displayed these characters so convincingly that some people in the audience would feel their superiority was threatened and thus needed to reestablish the Ku Klux Klan to preserve their way of life. With the film's release, the United States saw a re-emergence of the Ku Klux Klan as members and supporters were empowered by the film's heroic portrayal of the Klan. The new Ku Klux Klan now had a revived sense of purpose to keep blacks and whites who stood with blacks from participating in the local and national government, and to protect white women from the clutches of black men. Thanks to Griffith's romanticizing of the Klan, some whites drew inspiration and adopted the flaming cross from the on-screen Ku Klux Klan. One of those participants included fanatic William Joseph Simmons as he led 15 other men into the night as the new Ku Klux Klan. William Joseph Simmons went on to become the first imperial wizard of the revived clan and wrote a pamphlet titled Ku Klux Klan Forever. In his pamphlet, William Joseph Simmons wrote, The purpose of the modern Ku Klux Klan is to inculcate the sacred principles and noble ideas of chivalry, the development of character, the protection of the home and chastity of womanhood, the exemplification of a pure and practical patriotism toward our glorious country, the preservation of American ideals and institutions and the maintenance of white supremacy. In D.W. Griffith's film, Birth of a Nation, quote unquote, black characters were portrayed in two main ways. The first showed the characters as simple and content in their submissive roles. The other was shown as villainous because those quote unquote, black characters were haughty and too eager for social equality. The former type was in the form of the Southern slaves and help owned by the Southern Cameron family and nearby families. The first type of villainous black person shown in the film was the Northern Stoneman family's mulatto help. She is depicted as rude and entitled in her interactions with the white guests and sexual in her interactions with Mr. Stoneman. The second and more prominent black villain is mulatto Silas Lynch. Silas Lynch took advantage of Mr. Stoneman's beliefs of racial equality and used it to come into power as the spokesman of the blacks. 
Not only did Lynch attempt to become socially equal to his white counterparts, but Lynch's intentions are also later revealed to be corrupt and greedy. Griffith's film portrayed blacks as vile, ill-mannered, and beastly in opposition to whites. While Lynch may have been manipulative and cunning enough to have been put in power, those characters were shown to not have the intelligence to handle that power. The film appeared to suggest that the harmony in which blacks and whites lived in, because of white superiority, was disrupted due to the attempts of an equal union between the two races. The impact of Birth of a Nation's release was great, in that it affected not only those that watched, but those that it represented. However, while the film is considered very controversial, it is likely that little would have changed had the film not been released. Since Birth of a Nation is an adaptation of the novel The Klansman, it only brought an already controversial story to life. That story may have eventually reached enough people to have the same amount of impact that the film did in consolidating white supremacy. The representation of blacks throughout the film was nothing new either. Misrepresentation of blacks and blackface in production and plays were already popular and could go on, more than likely unaffected by the erasure of Birth of a Nation. With the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People in its first few years, its minimal success in preventing showings of the film neither helped nor hurt the association, and thus would not be affected if the film were never shown. On the other hand, not releasing Birth of a Nation could possibly delay or prevent major developments in filmmaking in the new Ku Klux Klan. On average, silent films lasted around 10 to 15 minutes on one reel. Griffith's epic film was the first silent film to use more than one reel and lasted more than three hours as well as use techniques that are now common in modern films. Without the revolutionary cinematography of Birth of a Nation, filmmaking advancements could have been delayed or it may have progressed differently altogether. Furthermore, the second coming of the Ku Klux Klan may not have happened at all, especially without the use of burning crosses that was inspired by the romanticized portrayal of the Klan on screen. William Joseph Simmons could potentially have no legacy as the first imperial wizard of the new Ku Klux Klan. While it remains controversial, D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation continues to share its story long after its initial release. The impact of the film is not just about the story that is told within the film, but the story of a nation reacting to it. Griffith's film inspired developments in cinematography, encouraged the revival of Ku Klux Klan, and drew crowds of protesters as it narrated a story in a way the audience had not seen before. Griffith did more than just entertain his audience. He captivated and shaped the way his audience viewed history through a screen. So we see how this movie portrayed black people, rewrote history, played on the fears of those who upheld white superiority, brought a revival to the formerly retired Ku Klux Klan, and sent the advancement of black people backward. Not only do some of these stereotypes continue in media today and how we're seen, but also how we see ourselves. What better way to reverse the effects of our negative self-perception than to watch the docuseries Reclaiming the Throne by D28 Productions. This time, not rewriting history, but bringing to the forefront the history that we thought was lost. The docuseries is available on Amazon, available on Vimeo, and free on Tubi. Happy Black History Month, and thank you for having tea with me. Thank <laughs> you.